Welcome, everyone, to the Eagles Live podcast as the Eagles prepare for the preseason opener on Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Lincoln Financial Field. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining in. Roster battles are at stake, and we will talk about that in just a bit. And the Eagles have added a below-the-radar piece to the defensive secondary, and we're going to hear from him later in the show. But let's begin with some one-on-one time with Chairman CEO Jeffrey Lurie, who's been wonderfully busy these last six months. His Eagles, of course, won the first Super Bowl in franchise history on February 4th, and then Lori went through the long process of A, celebrating the victory as we all did and still do, B, preparing for the 2018 NFL Draft and free agency, and C, designing the Super Bowl championship ring. Well, things have been just as busy in the spring and summer as the Eagles enjoyed the celebration of Brian Dawkins' enshrinement last weekend into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And then Laurie returned home back to Philadelphia and signed Executive Vice President of Football Operations Howie Roseman and Head Coach Doug Peterson to contract extensions through 2022. It's time now to catch up with Jeffrey Laurie in an exclusive interview for the Eagles Live podcast. Jeffrey, it's been such an amazing six months since the Eagles won the Super Bowl and now news over the weekend that you have extended the contracts of Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman. What does that stability mean to you, mean to this organization? You know, when you have wonderful leaders, and I include Don Smolensky in that, it's so important for the whole organization to be able to rely on continuity, stability, and innovativeness. And that's what we stand on. And reach that stability and extend Howie and Doug for this foreseeable future is really great. And they know each other. They know how to play off of each other. It really is a good dynamic. It's a great dynamic. We all all have and they're terrific together they're both genuine they're both honest with each other they work so well with myself and Don and the whole organization and you know if you want to hit on all cylinders you need those kind of leaders and it's really important to extend their contracts so that you allow for both short-term thinking and long-term thinking on every issue is that the goal of ownership to have that kind of marriage it is if you can find it I mean you don't want to lock people in if you don't have the leadership but in this case we have great leadership They're great collaborators, smart, innovative, outside-the-box thinkers. They're not risk-averse, and that's what we need to be to separate ourselves from the 31 other teams, and that's part of the reason for the Super Bowl championship success. Jeffrey, on February 3rd, we found out that Brian Dawkins was going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. On February 4th, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I mean, remarkable weekend for sure. You just came back from Canton, Ohio. Describe the experience. Emotional, incredible. I mean, to be able to see Brian, I remember his day as a rookie like yesterday and the struggles and the opportunities that he created for himself and uh, what a teammate, what a person. The whole weekend was like a celebration of who Brian is as both a person and as a Hall of Fame player. He's passionate, vulnerable, genuine, relates well to everybody and for the world to see it uh, and football fans everywhere to see it and to witness his wonderful speech. And for you, the first player of your ownership to reach the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I guess there couldn't be a more perfect player to Go. There could not be a more perfect player to go. He was uh, instrumental in everything we did, and he's just an incredible human being when it really boils down to it. We know him as a Hall of Fame football player, but incredible human being. And, you know, his legacy will continue with us and through each team in the future because we'll always bring him back. He'll always be a part of us. And what he set in motion will never subside. 
How do you think the relationship started with the fans? You know, I think he's so genuine that he was able to understand Eagles fans and he knew that they were the most passionate fan base. He was amongst the most passionate football players ever. So it was really a perfect match of passion and vulnerability and care. And they just fed off each other. You could see it during games sometimes. You know, he'd feed off the fans, the fans would feed off him and great things would happen. And the fans showed up again in Canton. Your thoughts on the support that the Eagles fans gave Brian and the organization? Yeah, it was awesome in Canton. I mean, you have some great, great players, Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, Jerry Kramer, and Randy Moss, and you know, the list goes on and on and on. The Eagles fans were dominant as usual. They were the loudest, the most passionate, and I think there were more Eagles fans there by far than any other team, and Brian deserved that, and it was also great kind of, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl with all the fans out there, and they were very, very appreciative. Last one, Jeffrey, we're on the precipice of the first preseason game. You're feelings on 2018 and how you feel about the season ahead? Well, you know, I think the same ingredients that went into 2017, just got to work hard and be humble and make every game and every practice important and game plan with innovation and make great decisions. And it's a workmanlike approach that we have, which, you know, is filled with collaborative players. The team is first. We've got a great roster, but it all comes down to how well the team plays as a team. And we've got great ingredients, coaching, player personnel, and and players and couldn't be more proud of what we're bringing into the season. The word I've heard the most is chemistry. The chemistry last year and tried to replicate that this year. No doubt and even make it more and you know I think we're all even hungrier if that's hard to understand maybe but it's uh, once you've experienced it I think you just want more and more and more and uh, we have a chance to be special but it takes just day by day hour by hour practice by practice and nothing more not looking ahead it's the very first game the very first practice the next practice the next game and just go like that. You're fired up, aren't you? I'm really fired up. Thanks, Jeffrey. You're welcome. As for Dawkins, what a show he put on in Tom Benson Memorial Stadium over the weekend. Supported by thousands of Eagles fans in attendance, Dawkins gave an honest and emotional enshrinement speech. If you haven't heard it in its entirety, check it out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Here are some of the greatest moments of his 22-minute brilliance. First of all, hallelujah! As you look on my shirt, it says, blessed by the best. And throughout my life, the Lord has blessed me with so many individuals. So if it was up to me, Hall of Fame, this is what I would do. With my jacket, if you would appease me, I would like to put every last one of the individuals that I told you was special in my life in my jacket somewhere. So every time that I put this thing on, it reminds me visually and emotionally that I did not do this by myself because I did not do this by myself. I did not. To my big brother, Troy, brother, I thank you. I thank you for the example that you set for me. Like you were a rabbit for me to chase. The way that you handled your business, the way that you techniques on the field, I looked up to you. And that's why I had you present me. So thank you for being the man that you are that allowed me to look at you, model myself after you, and become the man that I have become. Thank you, my brother. Listen, I know I didn't do it by myself, and so there's coaches, there's teachers, my family, I'll talk about them later, there's doctors, because I'm a physical safety, so I was beat up quite a bit, trainers, massage therapists, my teammates, listen, I had a healthy dose of fear of letting you down. That's why I went so doggone hard. I never wanted to let you down. I didn't. 
Anything that I can do for you, you know I would do for you. And it's not just those who are sitting here looking at me now, but all of you looking at this on TV. I gave everything I had to the last drop for you because I loved you so doggone much. So thank you. It wasn't supposed to be me. This wasn't supposed to happen to Brian Dawkins. It was not. I was not the biggest of guys growing up. I was not always the dude. I was always called little this, little that. And I got tired of that crap. I grew a chip on my shoulder, but also what began to grow was anger in me. And that anger in me became violent anger. So when you see me crawling like that, when you see me acting the fool, that's some of that energy that I let out from that anger that I had bottled up. Yeah, that chip on my shoulder. Emmett Thomas, oh yeah, E, I call you Uncle Emmett for a reason. When I was in those depressive states, when I was thinking about suicide, it was because of your hand, your guidance, and your believing in me, helping me to go see somebody about the struggles that I was having, to allow me to be alive today. So you're one of those guardian angels that blessed by the best. Yes, I've been blessed, and he's one of the best that I'm talking about. So Emmett, thank you. But also what Emmett did for me is Emmett would not let me settle for average. He would not let me settle for good. He saw greatness in me that I did not see. He saw something in me and he would not let me settle. He kept pushing me. It was hard. I was angry sometimes. I'm like, man, I had a good game. No, you did. You should have made that. You saw that play. You should have made this. So he kept pushing me. So E.T., the player that Jim Johnson got to do everything that he did is because of you and your love for me. So thank you, Uncle Emmett. Thank you. Then there's Jim Johnson, the late, great Jim Johnson. Jim, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know Jim is looking down on us. It's because of Jim and the way that he used me all over the field that I'm blessed to put up the numbers that I put up and bless my teammates the way, and bless the city the way that I blessed it. So thank you, Jim. Andy Reid, I want to thank you for believing in this smaller safety as well. You trusted me to lead. And, and what you did also is you continued to help me up when I was trying to do too much, Andy. You always brought me back down so I can do my job first and then help others second. So thank you, Andy. My mom, my mom, my mom, my mom. You want to know where the fighter in me come from? Yeah, that's my mom. That's my mom. My mom has survived a couple of strokes. She survived breast cancer. And don't let that sheepish smile fool you like she's a pet bull when it's all said and done. She looks after her family. And she told me this. She said, Brian, if you ever get in a fight, don't start it. But finish it. And if they're bigger than you, pick up something and knock them out of them until they come get you off of them. So that's why I finish everything. If we gonna fight, we gonna fight. You may whoop me, but we gonna fight. They gonna have to come get me off you. And that came from my mom, my dad. I thank you, Pops, man. He showed me what a man is supposed to be, how he's supposed to treat a wife, how he's supposed to be a giver, a provider. My dad works sometimes two and three jobs, hustle jobs, to bring the ends meet home to us. So, Pops, thank you, thank you, thank you. And here's the other thing my dad taught me. When I wanted to quit in one of those painful situations in Pop Warner, my dad told me, when you start something, you finish it and you don't have a bad attitude. I bet not have a coach come home talk to me you having a bad attitude. When you start something, you finish it. There's a finisher in me that won't 
quit. And those two, my mom and my dad, provided with me something that now you see in front of you. That grit, that determination, that fire, and then that ability to never quit, to never give in, came from my mom and dad. Thank you. And finally, let's talk about these Eagles fans. just a waste. So that means that you put hard-earned money that you could be saving to come out here and celebrate with your boy. So thank you. Thank you for loving me the way that I love you. I love you back. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, on to the 2018 Eagles as they get ready for the preseason opener. Although it's not official yet, quarterback Carson Wentz not likely to play as he recovers from his knee surgery. And Nick Foles has missed the last couple of days of practice with an undisclosed injury, which, while it is not expected to be anything serious or anything that lingers into the regular season, it could keep him out of Thursday's game. So if both of those players missed the preseason opener, third-year man Nate Sudfeld would start, backed up by Joe Callahan, a second-year player who grew up in South Jersey and played his collegiate football at Wesley College in Delaware. For Sudfeld, this summer has been all about development. We hear now from Sudfeld as he talks about where he thinks he's made the most progress in the last several months. Uh, I feel like physically I've improved a lot. I've gotten a lot stronger on our strength and conditioning program. I feel like I've gotten a lot faster. I feel like I've got better quarterback mechanics. I think, you know, last year going into this year with Coach Flip and then Press have done a great job with my mechanics. Still a work in progress, but uh, just trying to get my feet quicker and be more explosive and things like that. But And then I think just a year in, having confidence, having played last year in, you know, in a regular season game and then getting a lot of reps this offseason, just being able to spit out the verbiage and the huddle and things like that. It's just, you know, just actually getting reps is kind of the best thing, you know, to get. So, yeah, I think in a lot of ways I've improved, but still trying to keep reaching. In preseason, you see a lot of vanilla defenses generally. I guess in your big picture, would you like to see Pittsburgh, if you play against them a lot, throw a lot at you? I mean, yes and no. I mean, you know, you want to get into a rhythm. You want to find that rhythm. I feel like when I'm in rhythm, I feel ready for everything. Yeah, I mean, the tough thing about preseason one is we don't spend time game planning for them. So, I mean, if they bring some exotic pressures, we won't exactly have to prepared for him, but it'll be good to see where my instincts go and what comes to my brain, how I get rid of the ball, protect myself, put the ball in playmakers' hands. So, I mean, it's all going to be valuable experience, so I'm looking forward to it. Just want to get into rhythm and have a good game, so it'll be fun. The first of four preseason games is a critical one for the Eagles as they evaluate the roster, which will go from 90 players to 53 prior to the September 6th opener against the Atlanta Falcons. One player who is going to make it, barring an unforeseen setback, is veteran safety Corey Graham, added to the roster in the last week. Graham played a significant, although underrated, role for the Eagles' 2017 defense, including 64 snaps in Super Bowl 52. As the Eagles moved Malcolm Jenkins into a quasi-linebacker role, a personnel package they like to call the Big Nickel. Here is Graham talking about coming back to the Eagles for another season. 
I just want to come out here and do whatever it is they ask me to do and just have fun playing. I mean, it's always going to be competition and things like that, but I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready to play again. A lot of training. I've been training for like the last three months, so it's all said and done. I got to make sure that I, I don't want to just be out here not doing what I'm supposed to be able to do. I mean, I ain't coming out here to be getting beat every play and things like that. If I feel like I can't play to the level I need to play at, then I wouldn't do it. Um, when it's all said and done, I had to make sure that my body was going to hold up. I wasn't going anywhere else. I told him from the beginning, if I play another year, it was only going to be here. This is different, man. You see the way the fans were, how loud they were out here today? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's been like that all last year, and it seems like it's up a few notches this year, man. The fans are amazing. It's going to be crazy. I can't imagine what the season's going to be like. I'm assuming it's going to be a similar role. But either way, it doesn't really make a difference to me. I mean, whatever they ask me to do, I'm willing to do. I mean, I'm at the point in my career where I just enjoy being around the guys, enjoy playing ball. Whether it's a third safety, whether it's special teams, whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference. I just want to play ball and have fun. And so what's up next for the Eagles? Thursday night, the cross-state rival Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. Kickoff at 7 p.m. at Lincoln Financial Field on NBC10 in Philadelphia. That will do it for this Eagles Live podcast. Thanks so much for joining in. I'll be back following the Steelers-Eagles game on Thursday night with the latest from the locker room, so we'll catch up then. Thanks to Brian Thomas for putting it all together, and thanks to you for your great support. Have a great Eagles day, and fly, Eagles fly. E-A-T-L-E!